Hello, Paul Scott here for part two of my weekly podcast on the 4th of June 2023. Um, These are just, as I say, I'm not claiming any uh, particular expertise on macroeconomics, although I understand the basics, but um, what I do each week is I just jot down on my notepad interesting news and views, and it's a good time to reflect on them each weekend and to... uh, update. There's obviously a lot of repetition, but the same issues are cropping up week after week. So to launch into the points I jotted down this week, Sky News uh, have flagged that there's a big drop in the energy cap from 1st of July. I reread the article and it appeared to be contradictory, but then uh, it it explained that. One minute it was saying it would drop energy, the average bill would drop by £1,200. Then it said it would drop by £400, £426 rather, from the 1st of July. The reason for the disparity is that there were two types of caps and one is wasn't relevant. So anyway, bottom line is we're going to get be paying less on our £426 per annum on average for our electricity bills from 1st of July. So that's pretty, that's a useful amount um, going into households' pockets. So I think that's quite positive. Uh, now, uh, Hargreaves Lansdowne Daily Email is very good, and they flagged up a new IPO, a large IPO, happening in London. It's a £6.5 billion float um, of a company called We Soda, and I don't know what they make, some industrial product that's um, apparently uh, in great demand, and it's the largest float this year by far. Now, this was something interesting. There seems to be a general recognition that for new IPOs for floats, um, the tech and the growth companies are now heading for uh, America, because obviously that's where the market's still very frothy and valuations are much higher. But the FTSE 100 is being marketed as being for quality and prestige. Now, whether this is, is wishful thinking or not, I don't know. But the fact that a more an industrial type company, We Soda, has chosen to list in, in the UK, I think is, is actually quite encouraging, isn't it? So maybe there's hope yet for the London market, although we're not really seeing anything much happening with the small companies. It's just the worst, by far the worst part of the market in terms of very poor liquidity valuations that have gone from too high to too low in UK small caps, I think. Uh, so it feels like it's going to be a long grind, isn't it, till we get out of it? But, you know, the shares are cheap and I think if we pick really good quality small caps we'll do very well with a medium term outlook so I remain bullish on the good quality really cheap UK small caps and I'm happy to remain invested in those personally but it does require patience and a degree of, sort of mental fortitude to get through uh, bear markets it's just the way it is. Now this is an interesting theme flagged up in a very uh, interesting article on CBS Market Watch. Um, a website I follow quite closely. This is all about debt defaults. The article, now Deutsche Bank apparently have said we're now uh, going into a wave of uh, corporate debt defaults and that is a wave that is building. Um, Now US uh, junk bonds apparently yielding almost 9% now Um, and defaults have risen considerably from 1.1% to 2.1%, but defaults are forecast to rise to 9%. Um, Of course, junk bonds are not actually junk. It's just the terminology uh, for high-yielding bonds, which are less than investment-grade rated, aren't they? Uh, Very, very interesting area. A friend of mine occasionally gets me to look at companies uh, to give a second opinion on the 
on the solvency of the company for for the purposes of him buying the bonds and you know they're 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 usually companies that will survive you know they're not they're not companies that, but, but the odd one does go bust uh what have we got here oh yes us loan defaults so this is not bonds this is actual loans have gone up from 1.4% to 3.1% again according to the same article with the peak forecast to be 11.3%. Now this is something that we've not had really any problem with over the last 15 years of zero interest rates is is it stands to reason doesn't it that um highly geared borrowers actually starting to default on bonds and on loans is uh, very very likely the article said that we've got an elevated uh, level of corporate leverage, which has been built up on stretched profit margins and in zero interest rates. Uh, and al also it, the article flagged leverage buyouts, an awful lot of leverage buyouts. Asta, uh, Morrisons are good examples of those in the UK where very large amounts of debt were taken on, probably at the worst point in the cycle. Well, if you look at what those interest rates will re refinance, will go up to when they're refinanced, it could well be seriously problematic. Other companies that I picked on, up on that are also having debt problem talks include Kazoo, and we've been saying in the small cap value report since the day it floated that this was a disaster waiting to happen. Heavily loss-making company trying to, re, you know, disintermediate the uh, <coughs> used car space, and there are loads of these things, um, Cinch, Kazoo, motorway oh, there are just loads of them they're doing expensive sport sponsorship deals expensive tv advertising campaigns and and they're just rubbish businesses they don't make any money they don't have any prospect of making any money either um meanwhile their their bricks and mortar competitors used car dealers have been making out like bandits so you know i just i think the whole thing of of, of trying to do internet only used car sales was just an accident waiting to happen, which we've been saying right from when it started. So it's not being wise after the event. Anyway, Kazoo has had to retrench already and give up on its um, European expansion, trying to focus on its core market in the UK, I believe. Um, and it's in talks with its debt providers, but has ample liquidity in the short term. But longer term, I very much doubt if Kazoo will survive, but we'll see. There's, there's talk of it possibly being taken private again by apparently this marvellously successful internet entrepreneur who um, also founded Zoopla. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, New Look, the fashion, the ladies wear fashion chain has had several uh, restructurings already. Includes, it's now closing the balance of its 120 stores in China. That's not working. Um, I think it's done at least one CVA in the UK to shed uh, problem sites. And it's also in debt talks with a term loan, which I believe matures in 2024. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Now, I probably shouldn't mention this, but it irritates me, so I will. It's Pride Month. For the whole of June, we're, being, um, we're going to be subjected to corporate woke washing, is my favourite way of uh, describing it, where corporates pretend to start celebrating the sexuality of their... Uh, gay and lesbian customers. I've noticed this when I go into the co-op. They've obviously had a memo from um, head office to dust down their pride flag and put it at the end of aisle three again for a month and then take it back down again. 
do I want the eggs to be uh, do I eggs do I want the, the co-op to be celebrating my sexuality no I don't all of this you know a lot of gay people don't want pride month and don't want to businesses who don't give a shit about anything like this pretending that they do and oh the worst advert on television's got to be that ridiculous Virgin Airlines ad I mean it's just so patronising isn't it they've got to tick every single diversity and inclusion box and presenting a completely fictitious false image of what their airline is actually like and you know it's an airline for god's sake i don't want the airline to share my values or to celebrate my sexuality i want it to get me from a to b safely comfortably with pleasant staff nice food and drink and on time and that's it in a don't crash that's the number one thing and i'll, and I'll compromise on anything else i don't care what their corporate values are and it's a given obviously that the trolley dolly will be gay because they all are um and as for the co-op, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in, in them putting up a rainbow flag, but could complete with all these additional chevrons. I mean, there aren't enough, there aren't enough room on it for, for all the new uh, denominations of gender that seem to be uh, proliferating. Um, and what was wrong with the rainbow? Nice and simple and clear. So I think we should go back to the rainbow flag. And I generally just, I don't want corporates woke washing to try and curry favour with a minority, many of whom, including myself, don't actually want corporates to be celebrating our sexuality. You know, Virgin focus on flying us safely to places, and the eggs, how about you find actually some, and the co-op, how about you find some eggs? I can't get eggs, but I can be patronised by a rainbow flag. Anyway, it really irritates me, so I thought I'd get that off my chest. Ah, what have we got? Oh yeah, no, in the small caps market, which is what I should be talking about, so sorry for going off uh, on a tangent there. In the small caps world, I've noticed some really sharp profit taking this week on high performing shares. The ones that spring to mind are Kitwave, K-I-T-W, Warpaint, W7L, and IG Design, IGR. I don't own any of those three, but I think they're fundamentally interesting companies, and I've been following them for a while. They'd all really bucked the trend uh, in, in, in this year in particular, and have risen very strongly, to a point where I did question the valuations on all three, I think, in the small cap value reports quite recently. But they've suddenly really tanked this week. It's like everyone simultaneously decides to take profits. <coughs> and I can't blame them, because I think, you know, I'm knocking on the door of three pounds, much though I like war paint, I think the valuation was becoming uh, uh, stretched. <coughs> and I think it's stocks that get tipped. They get tipped in, in newspaper columns and magazines, and they're good companies, but people then, you know, follow the trend, see, oh, it keeps rising, it keeps rising, so I've got to jump in and buy some. Then all of a sudden, bang, everyone profit takes. In two or three days, we've seen most of the big rises in those shares vanish as people bank profits. So I've got to say... I think this is a trader's market. I think buy and hold, that's what I do, but I'm questioning whether that's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, if I have anything that goes up to what looks like a full valuation, which is not a problem that's troubling my portfolio at the moment, <laughs> but if it does, I think I'd be inclined to just sell, sell half, um, you know, to bank the profits. And I think, you know, I think that's clearly what other investors are thinking too. So, you know, there's no um, 
there's no advantage to bucking the trend and there's no morals, moral superiority in long-term buy and hold. You know, if people can make money going in and out of things, then good luck to you. And I think that's the sort of market we're in at the moment. The, the big rises along a lot of shares are not really sticking. They're fizzling out and people are just banking the profits. I don't know. That's just something I've noticed. I'm not saying anything particularly good or bad about it. It's just an observation. What have we got here? Oh, trade credit insurance. This is another theme that I frequently mention um, because very often the trade credit insurance companies have actually got more exposure to uh, companies than the banks have because they're guaranteeing payment of the invoices that the suppliers uh, send into companies and companies quite routinely take 60 days credit and during that 60 days a company might go bust and then the trade in trade credit insurance companies pay the invoices regardless and that can be if you look at the trade creditors line on most companies accounts it's very often bigger than the uh, than the total bank debt so trade credit insurers are really important to oil the wheels of the economy I think and I saw that an, a, a trade credit insurer called Alliance with a Z Alliance Trade withdrew their cover for ASOS the uh, online e-commerce giant there was an article in one of the papers about that which also said this is interesting that ASOS received a bid at £10 a share a takeover bid from a Turkish um, fashion giant which is backed by the Chinese company Alibaba now that could cause a short covering rally, I imagine, on uh, tomorrow when the markets open, because the bid at a billion, and I think that was in December last year, it wasn't disclosed to the market at the time, which these things should be. I think it's wrong that companies can receive bids and don't say anything about it to the people who own the shares, because that's then creating a false market. <clears throat> I think ASOS shares have dropped below £4 now, and Mike Ashley of Fraser's, formerly Sports Direct, he's been buying up some stock. I think he's currently at about 7.4%, so uh, not enough to really uh, dictate policy to them, but a fairly substantial amount. That's enough to get a seat at the table, or at least get phone calls when important things are happening. So, um, and the existing shareholders did back the 75 million uh, placing that ASOS has recently completed. I think it was £4.18, that was to replace the shortfall in the reduced bank facilities. And the bank facilities were unexpectedly changed to Bantry Bay, which is charging very high interest rates now, 11%, plus a whole tonne of arrangement fees, which suggests to me that ASOS might have uh, been worried that it might breach its banking covenants on the original bank facilities, which had only just been extended. So I'm very cautious about the fundamentals with ASOS. I think the business is in real trouble, actually. Um, but it's now trading at only one-tenth of sales, and I think it's clearly attracting attention now as a potential bid target. So who knows? I wouldn't be short on it, uh, but I don't think I'd want to be long either. I think ASOS shares are really just for traders and speculators now. It's fundamentally a pretty bad, pretty lousy business, I think. Um, but on four billion a year revenues, it doesn't take a lot of a sort out on the, uh, on the gross margins to really transform those numbers. So um, whether management is up to the job at ASOS, I personally doubt. I think it's too big and too um, chaotically run, I've been told by an insider. 
and the gross margins are pitiful at ASOS. And I think it's got a lot of problems. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It'd be fascinating to see what happens, won't it? But I think we do need to redouble our concern about trade credit insurers. That was my main point. Was that will, and a spokesman for ASOS apparently said it's affecting the whole sector. And certainly I remember that from my days as an FD in the clothing retail sector. Uh, the trade credit insurers caused us lots of problems by frequently withdrawing cover without any notification. Uh, the first thing I would find out about it was that I was told a lorry load of of uh, dresses wasn't being released by the supplier because they couldn't get trade insurance. I'd have to ring up the supplier and negotiate with them, send them some post-dated checks and things like that to uh, get the goods released. It was a constant bugbear. But we, we did work our way around it, so it's not necessarily uh, terminal for businesses that have sort of um, nimble entrepreneurial management. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, I just thought I'd comment as well in the USA, big cap tech is the big bull story this year, isn't it? The Nasdaq has risen considerably and apparently it's concentrated in just a handful of names. The real megatechs seem to be sucking in investor money at the, at the moment, as well as fixed interest instruments. I think larger private investors are looking at fixed interest stuff now. I know a lot of my friends are, because they're saying, look, why do I want to risk my money? by buying the equity where it just takes a profit warning I've lost a third of my money when I can buy the bonds that are yielding in some cases eight nine ten percent and I rank ahead of equity and uh, you know I've mentioned that several times here before I think for people who've got deep pockets because often you have to buy in clips of hundred thousand pounds at a time on individual bonds um, or less if they're, if they're at a discount and uh, I'm just I'm recording I'm recording so um, uh, the, the big cap American shares do seem to be sucking in investor money as does uh, fixed interest as does just good old bought sorry about that interruption uh, as, as does uh, just cash deposits if you can earn four or five percent on your cash I say this every week but it's true isn't it your, um, your, your desire to invest in a risky AIM stock is probably going to be a lot lower. Not that all AIM stocks are risky. I think I always say that. Um, now, mortgages. This is probably my biggest concern for the UK economy at the moment. I mentioned last week that up until that point, I was fairly sanguine about it because it looked like inflation was heading down to 4 or 5% by the end of 2023. You know, and uh, that things have changed, though. That doesn't look to be the case. I went into this in more detail last week. Um, and so the cheaper, relatively cheap mortgage deals are now gradually reducing. So I think anyone who's looking to, to remortgage should just get cracking on it and do it now while some of those cheaper deals are still around because they are being pulled uh, by the mortgage providers. And I believe you can lock in, uh, once you've got agreement, you can lock in a rate for, for several months. So... Uh, one of my friends actually asked for my help on this. He got a letter this morning saying that uh, your current mortgage deal ends on uh, 2nd of October 2023. Uh, you'll automatically be moved to, uh, this is Santander, you'll automatically uh, moved on to our follow-on rate, as they call it, FOR, which is currently 7.75%. Well, I think the rate he's currently paying on this mortgage is about 1% or 1.5%. So going from that to 7.75% is going to be absolutely crippling. 
and this, we're almost in a, a, a lot well we are I think in a lottery at the moment depending on when your fixed rate term ends depends you've got this ticking time bomb now obviously we're going to try and get them remortgaged onto a, a better deal uh, so that's one of my jobs for, 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 for the coming week um, and if we can get them onto a deal of 4% or 4.1% that'll be a hell of a lot better than this 7.75% but if you take into account some people who might, may have had some adverse credit history they may not be able to uh, move on to a different deal and so would have no choice but to take the 7.75% which could then for somebody who's already financially stretched, titch the, uh, tip them over the edge. So I think we really are looking at a ticking time bomb here because of these higher interest rates, which have been put up much too much, much too fast. And the impact of higher interest rates apparently takes 12 to 18 months to kick in. And conceptually, it doesn't seem right to me that money is basically being given to savers uh, who receive uh, interest on their cash and transferred, and the cost of that will fall on borrowers who will be paying much higher interest rates. So it all seems a bit random, doesn't it, really? Just saying that, right, we're going to punish a load of households, typically I would say younger people with, uh, or younger to middle-aged people with mortgages, and we're going to give that, we're going to take that money away from them in order to slow down the economy and create a, a financial crisis in their monthly budget, and we're going to give the money instead to wealthier and retired people um, and give them more interest on their savings who of course will have a lower propensity to spend um, probably uh, who will just hoard the money so the whole economy then slows down corporate lending I mean a lot of the lending that I look at for smaller caps is facilities for making acquisitions uh, maybe term loans to fund fixed assets that's going to become more expensive so we'll have reduced investment you'll have probably reduced uh, takeovers and mergers and acquisitions uh, so fewer fees for the advisors, which we're already seeing come through, coming through with the um, the, bro the stockbrokers reporting lousy figures because the deal flow has dried up, you know. And this all to me seems incredibly clumsy policy making, that you you just sl slam the economy into a recession, uh, in order to, to to squeeze inflation out of the system that's already in a in a in a, in a considerable downward. Um, phase i think this is all terribly terribly wrong and there's no democratic accountability for any of this because the central banks are are independent but are not accountable to to the electorate i think we're we're sleepwalking into a disaster actually so i'm macro i'm a lot more bearish than i was because i think we've just gone over that tipping point there where we could have probably coped with and absorbed higher interest rates if they maybe stopped rising about four percent but if we're now talking at five and a half or even six percent interest rates i don't see how we can possibly avoid a recession later this year or early next year on the plus side though i noticed walked past a petrol station yesterday i thought the price of petrol and diesel is very very much lower now than it was uh, during the worst of the energy crisis so and apparently the supermarkets are saying they've actually started to begin to reduce the price of a few number of items uh, where wholesale deals have expired and the new deals are being signed on lower rates. So there's there's some hope again on food prices and we the consumers have got to squeeze out food inflation by shopping around just by not buying steaks you know just buying eating more vegetarian food which I did when I was in Malta for a month I, I stayed in Goza I couldn't believe the price of food over there 
it's always a bit more in Malta because everything has to be, well, a lot of things have to be shipped in, of course. But uh, little in Gozo, my God, the prices were unbelievable. So I ate mainly, I was doing the whole trip on a budget, so I actually ended up um, eating mostly vegetarian food, or funnily enough, going to the local pizzeria, where you could get a cracking pizza for about seven euros, would have cost more to buy the ingredients. So we all do need to, well, those of us who want to save money on food, uh, need to shop around more, buy the special offers and so on. And that, I think, is uh, one of the ways we can moderate our own personal level of inflation, because, of course, the published figures are only uh, averages, aren't they? So, all in all, um, I remain excited by the uh, cracking valuations for a lot of smaller UK-listed shares. I'm coming across things literally every day where you're getting a nice business on a PE of 10. You've got dividend yields going up now, 6-7% is fairly commonplace, as it should be, because if you can get 5% on cash, a good yield is not 5%, it's 10%. You need, so which of course means the, the equity prices have to come down accordingly. But we have got a couple of hundred, I would say, decent companies, small companies in the UK market. And, you know, it's all very well sitting on the sidelines, but you're going to miss all the takeover offers, aren't you? That's the thing. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know how long it's going to take the UK small caps market to sort itself out, though. Um, again, doesn't feel like there's any particular catalyst for the market to suddenly go into a bull, a bull phase, um, given all this macro uh, stuff that's so problematic. So, I don't know. We'll see. But um, bullish on good some good quality individual companies that are cheap, but I'm bearish on the overall macro picture. I don't see how you can be anything other than bearish about it. Uh, it looks like we're in for a difficult six months or so, doesn't it? Maybe longer. Um, but how long will interest rates remain elevated for? That's the question mark. Are they going to start easing them off a bit once it's clear that they've pushed us into a recession? Or are they going to wait? Um, I don't know. Who knows? I just think these central banks are um, handling things incredib incredibly badly. Certainly in this country, anyway. Um... Yeah, it's all rather frustrating and depressing, isn't it? So on that uh, rather uh, miserable, depressing note, I think I'll sign off and finish my uh, Bloody Mary that I just made myself, as it's a nice sunny day. <laughs> OK, well, look, enjoy the rest of Sunday, and uh, I look forward to producing another week of Small Cat Valley reports for you. OK, bye for now. Bye! <laughs>